Welcome to What She Said, A Thrill of Hope. I'm Amanda Wood, and today is Thursday, December 8th. Welcome back. Today we are going to be looking at Luke 1, 39 through 45, and then I'm going to throw you a little curveball and I'm going, to, I'm going to attach verse 56 onto the end of our passage today because what happens from 46 to 55 is actually Mary's song. And so we're going to talk about that separately. So today is going to be Luke 1, 39 through 45 and 56, which is sort of a complete thought in and of itself in a passage. So here we go with that. Now, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord." And then verse 56 says, And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. So to review from yesterday, Mary has just learned from the angel Gabriel that she is with child and that that child is going to be the long-awaited Messiah and she is going to be the mother of God's son, God's promised one, the promise to Israel that she would have heard about her entire life. When Mary heard of the pregnancy that God was going to give to her, she was also told of the pregnancy of her relative, Elizabeth. Um, And we're going to call Elizabeth her cousin for the sake of argument. She's some sort of relative. Um, But Mary knows that Elizabeth is pregnant from Gabriel. So her first response is to travel a considerable distance from Galilee, Nazareth and Galilee, where she is, to the hill country of Judea, which would have been about an 80 to 100 mile trip. At that time, there were a lot more roads that were being formed for people to pass, but this was still quite an undertaking um, to travel for anyone, let alone a young girl. We have to imagine that, um, Mary probably traveled with company. She likely was not alone in any way that would not have been safe, but the scripture doesn't really um, expand on what her traveling situation was here. But we know it's a young, newly pregnant girl who was probably really scared. She had much to bear. It must have been just like absolutely incredible to hear that Elizabeth was also pregnant with a child of promise in miraculous way in a way that linked to Mary's own miracle from the Lord. I feel like that would have been an incredible weight lifted off of Mary to so to, to see that there was someone else who she could trust, who she could talk to, who would understand her because they were walking a similar path as Mary herself. I would absolutely um, imagine that Mary was so 
just so relieved to think that there was somebody out there who would believe her when she told of the revelation from Gabriel. We don't know what kind of reaction Mary got from the people immediately around her. Uh, Matthew tells us a little bit about the reaction of Joseph and how the angel had to come to him to tell him not to divorce Mary, that she was telling the truth, that the that the angel had really come to Mary and that she was really having the child put into her by the Holy Spirit, God's son. But we don't have any revelation in the scripture about what it must have been like for Mary to tell her parents, to tell other people around her, to have people start noticing at some point that she was in fact pregnant and there was quite a scandal from their perspective going on here. So it must have just been such a gift. It's such a gift of God that Elizabeth is Mary's trusted family member and Mary feels like she can go to her and it's just it's just such a picture of the little ways that God cares for us, the things that he sets up in our path and the things that he puts around us so that we can be cared for as we walk through difficult circumstances. Because even though this pregnancy was from God, it was going to be a very difficult circumstance of Mary's life. God has us do a lot of things that are very difficult just because it is for him doesn't mean it is a road that is paved with cotton candy and unicorn sprinkles. It's absolutely still going to be difficult to do the will of God, but he will always make a way for you to do so. So Mary hears of Elizabeth's pregnancy and she she rides. She gets going. We don't know how quickly, but the the timeline of all of this leads us to believe that Mary very quickly turned around and headed to Elizabeth's house. Upon her arrival, at Elizabeth's, we see in the scripture that Elizabeth comes to greet Mary and baby John, still within Elizabeth, jumps in response to the arrival of his Messiah. He recognized his Savior in Mary's womb. We're told in Gabriel's announcement initially of John the Baptist that he would be filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. So this moment that John reacts to the Messiah, this was the Holy Spirit speaking to this unborn child. He's letting this unborn child know, you're the forerunner of the Messiah, and here's the Messiah. He's here. He's in your midst. Your job begins now, baby boy. Like, here we go. I love to see the humanity given to these children in the womb in this passage forerunner to the Messiah meets his Savior, and the scriptures clearly recognize both of them as full, complete, and valuable people from the moment of conception. And this is not unique to God's Son or John because he was fulfilled in a special way. The only message to be gathered from the whole of scripture is that babies in the womb are unique, precious, ordained life of their own. You were loved and endlessly valued by God from the moment of your conception, just as his own son, just as every other baby is at the moment that they are conceived. God is showing us here these infants in the womb with full life and full purpose for that life. We see that Elizabeth has complete faith in the word of the Lord and praises Mary for also having faith in God to just believe what Gabriel told her from the step and take it at face value. 
We saw yesterday that Mary had a question, but that question was not asked in disbelief. I think it's funny to think of a scene where Elizabeth's greeting Mary and she's praising her for believing in God and she turns around like, oh, did you hear that, Zacharias? Mary believed what the angel told her. What do you think about that? Oh, oh, that's right. You're mute. You're still suffering that. It was obvious a it was obviously easy to be a comparison to Elizabeth between her husband who <laughs> had his struggles at his moment of revelation versus Mary who fully accepted what the Lord had given her from the start. Elizabeth herself was able to have so much faith because like baby John, we have been told that she was filled with the Holy Spirit during this time. So you can see that in Elizabeth. She praises Mary. The the Spirit of the Lord is just overflowing, tumbling over the sides of her. The joy is spilling out everywhere. It's getting on everyone all all around her, and it's a marvelous thing. And Elizabeth is telling uh, Mary that her faith played a role in the fulfillment of God's promise to her. This is a universal truth. God will do what he says in spite of us. He will do what he says in spite of the way we react to him. But he also calls us to step out in faith and be an active participant in his plan. We're not called to sit back and do nothing because God has it all figured out. He does, but part of what he requires of us is to walk in his will, walk the path. I always like to think of the um, story where Peter had to get out of the boat. God did the miracle for him to walk on water, but he required that Peter first get out of the boat and place his feet upon the waves. And that's a perfect illustration for what Mary has done here and what we're all called to do in our lives. God is the only one working the miracles. We are not responsible for any of that, but he has set up a situation wherein he requires us to get out of the boat. He requires us to walk in faith and put our feet in the footsteps that he has already placed in front of us. It's like when I walk in the snow and then my kids try to step into the footprints that my boots have made behind me. I've already carved out a spot for them to walk in, but they have to follow me through to still get through the snow. And that's what God does for us. And that's what Mary followed. And that's what Elizabeth is praising her for having done. She got out of the boat. She stepped on the waves. She stepped in the boot prints made by her Lord and she got moving. So the passage tells us that Mary stayed with Elizabeth for three months. So it sounds like that's at least to the end of her pregnancy. Um, We were told that Mary received her um, revelation from the angel in the sixth month, which we believe we are to understand is the sixth, sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So now the third month or three months later that Mary has stayed with Elizabeth puts her at least till the end of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And it is possible that Mary um, actually stayed with Elizabeth to see to the birth of John. Um, We don't know that for sure, but just the math that we're given certainly makes that a plausible thing. And in those times, um, all that we 
like we know that there was no medical care. It's not like Elizabeth was like, well, she had her hospital bag packed and she was going to go head there when it was time. She would have just been attended to by women around her. Um, and Mary may have been one of those women. I think that would be a really kind of cool thing to think about Mary having been there for the birth of John. Uh, but what I'm struck by is that here's Mary and we've already discussed that she's 14, maybe 15 at the most. We have no textual or historical reason to really believe that Mary was likely to be any more than 15. It's possible, but it is not the most likely scenario. So we have this like 15-year-old girl, let's say, who has just been told that she is carrying in her womb the Son of God, who has been miraculously conceived there, and she is carrying this weight, this tremendous responsibility that everyone around her is going to look upon with scorn because they don't understand and they don't believe that this is anything other than Mary having um, carried herself in a very uh, inappropriate manner and acted in ways that were very unbecoming of a young Jewish girl. They have no reason to believe that this child inside of her is from the from God is the son of God so she's having she's she's in this terrible time for her, for her as far as other people are concerned she's carrying the weight of the responsibility of being the mother of our Lord and she's in the first trimester of what we can assume was a totally normal pregnancy nothing in scripture indicates that uh, Mary was somehow spared the pain or the difficulties of pregnancy and birth and at this time in her first trimester, in a very difficult time, as a very young girl, Mary travels a great distance and serves her much older cousin in her final trimester. Mary has such a servant's heart. Elizabeth was of advanced age, as we've said, and she was probably having a more uncomfortable pregnancy than most. She would have needed a great deal of help running her household. It was not um, easy to run a household in the ancient world. It was rigorous. She did not have running water. She did not have indoor plumbing. She did not have a washing machine and a vacuum cleaner and all of the um all of the benefits that we enjoy in the modern era and yet still can have a hard time running our households and getting done everything that needs to be done. But Elizabeth, her, her life would have been much harder and she would have been at quite the disadvantage to taking care of any of those things that she needed to in her third trimester of pregnancy with a husband who, due to his punishment, was enduring some trials and difficulties of his own. But Mary showed up and she stayed three months and we have to imagine that she's there and she's serving Elizabeth. She's just such a servant. She's immediately willing to call herself the maidservant of the Lord. And then she gets up and she goes and she serves Elizabeth. She didn't want to be coddled and cared for, cared for herself, but to pour herself out as a servant to someone else. Mary wasn't looking for a vacation. She wasn't um, trying to simply have rest or have a little me time, put her feet up. And this is a great example for us of what the Christian life is supposed to be. God tells us to pour into others. He will give us rest. He says, I will give you rest. Throw your burdens on me, but keep doing the work. 
As a Christian, we're not called to see how we can lighten our load and make things easier on ourselves. We're called to keep doing the work that God has put in front of us and ask Him to lighten our load or make it possible for us to achieve all the things that He wants us to achieve. We're not called to manage our schedules. We are, well, I mean, let me back up. We are in ways called to manage our schedules. We are to be good stewards of our time. But when we feel overwhelmed, we're not told to just see what we can cut out. What we need to do is we need to go to the Lord in prayer, truly willing to be disciplined and chastised for the way that we are spending our time and say, God, am I overwhelmed because I am not stewarding my time correctly or because I am spending it in ways that I should not be spending it? Or am I overwhelmed because these things you have me doing are all good things I'm to do and I need your help to keep up with them? In the times in my life where I feel like I've been having the hardest time, whether it was just job difficulties or whatever the situation in life was, I've always felt that the best answer to that was to stop focusing in on myself and go serve someone else. Are you feeling the weight of the world? Go uplift someone who has it harder than you. Nothing brings more levity to your life than perspective, and nothing will bring you more joy than service to the Lord through the least of these. You will never feel better or refreshed by spending more time with your feelings or coddling yourself. That's not the way that God has designed for us to give to get rest. God has designed for us to receive his supernatural rest by filling our jar of oil back up every time we pour it out in the service of someone else. Elizabeth Elliot says, the best way to find out whether or not you really have a servant's heart is to see what your reaction is when someone treats you like one. Mary was willing to be treated as a servant. She wanted to be treated as the servant of the Lord. She went and voluntarily became the servant of Elizabeth. And if you think you are a servant of the Lord, if that's what you want to be, which you should, you should want to be that, you must be willing to be a servant to others around you too. And Mary illustrates this beautifully. That's all for us today. Have a great one.